bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm your long lost camp boyfriend, Dave. (laughs) 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 Dave, did you ever go to summer camp? Yeah, I went to a Bible camp. (laughs) Come on. Is that why you now? Is that so? Jesus is now your final form, is what you're saying. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah i did i went to bible camp and it wasn't a function of christianity i think it was a function of like hey this is a place i can send my kid that i can afford and then uh and so that was it so i went to bible camp a couple of them actually got thrown out of bible camp That's nice. uh, in one case for um uh doubting the existence of jesus christ which if you're going to bible camp is a big no-no and so like they've got one rule well they got two rules you know what i mean but the first rule is don't doubt jesus and the second the rule, rule is bible camp is don't doubt jesus <clears throat> yeah and the second is like be a straight laced heterosexual mm-hmm. or else and then yeah but so they they threw me out i have a lot of follow up <laughs> I don't think we can afford that time. Does it pertain to the election? <laughs> it absolutely, they absolutely do not pertain to the election. And they're probably deeply personal. So I don't know that it's appropriate. You know what? Maybe we'll talk about it in our election space coming yeah. up on Monday. Or a yes. special Patreon bonus episode where we dig in to the lifetimes, idiosyncr- idiosyncrasies and pathologies of me. And we can do like a 400 part series. Yeah, and- we, can, we can bring on like a shrink. Yeah, I and I could get some psychoanalysis going. It would be nice I, to, I, to listen to not do to not listen to a psychologist, but but live instead of privately. Yeah, that sounds great for your <laughs> mental health. How is this a good idea? How are you missing idea. on this? This is it's, awful. This is we're just so developing. Awful. We're sitting in. We're, oh we're, we're just brainstorming and there are no bad ideas in the brainstorm. Yeah. Oh. We're just between friends here, right? And anyone with an internet connection. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, as uh, David was teasing, uh, Eric and I have an announcement. And that is after four and a half years of Bad and Bitchy being 100% free, we are moving to a paid subscription model um, as of September 21st. So the day after the election. And what does that mean? That means that there are four different options for subscription. So the first one is free and that can be just whatever you're doing now. The second option is $7 a month and you will get extra podcasts, uh, our show notes, written content, etc. Our research. Our research, yeah. Your yeah, labor. Been, yeah, and, basically, and, uh, basically. Basically our labor, yeah. yeah. You know, if you want to pay for a full year up front, uh, that will be $75. So there's like a 10% discount. The last option is a founding membership. So you would get all of the things in the monthly membership, but you would also get the option for secret bad and bitchy Zoom events where you can ask us questions and interact with us. Um, and those will just be for you. And that is $200 per year. 
you know, I think we are still going to be putting out some free content, but some of our existing content, such as like massages of the week, for example, will be going into the paywall. Um, and this has just kind of been a long time coming, particularly after the election, which was just a really laborious push for us, where we put out a lot of like very solid content that just took up a lot of time. And energy. And energy. Yeah. Emotional labor, physical time. It just up like follows our basically our, our value system. Yeah. And, so, and we did want to keep it as like low cost as possible because that's also part of our value system. Yes. So here's what I've realized. Um, and then we could segue into the election. So I'm going to repeat, uh, join us on Monday. What time are we doing that, Erin? Starts around 8.45-ish. So around 8.45-ish, we'll open up the Twitter space. Unlike McLean's, we'll allow you to speak. <laughs> I, would, I would actually love to open up the floor a little bit more than we did last time and just get people's like questions, thoughts, reactions for election 44. And also like what's been your experience at polling stations too? So we can actually have like a good discussion. We're not saying that everybody's going to get to speak, but I think we should probably kind of foster more of a group discussion. And we will have probably the most diverse panel leading the discussion. And we're going to give details on that or actually today. Yeah, the, the, basically when you hear this podcast. When you hear this podcast, you will know. Yeah, exactly, because this will come out on Monday. But, so, but basically, um, David's going to be our own, our token white guy, as usual. Yeah, he's Sweet. the only white guy. He's the only white person. <laughs> it's nice to be in a space that isn't full of, of white journalists, because I'm not saying Canadian media is too white. I, I'm just saying that their primary oxide is titanium dioxide. <laughs> Norm Macdonald died this week. And so I've sort of dedicated the next week or two to just trying to do Norm jokes. And that's a really special one for people who have access to Wikipedia. So anyone right. with an internet connection who is listening. <laughs> that's true. Norm Macdonald did yeah. die uh, yeah. this week. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yet another... Canadian national treasure. Yeah. I mean, probably coming out with this. You probably know what? More than I, just, I'm just making these like connections. Although I will say there was a tweet from like, I think the Ottawa Citizen and they, they had interviewed the owner of Yuck Yuck's comedy club here in Ottawa. Oh, good Lord. And <laughs> they said something, the quote that the man gave, the owner gave was, yeah, you know, what made Norm special was that he was smart, funny and cutting and I was like well that that's me like why why are we giving this white man this uh, this praise but like I'm the same thing like those are the only qualities I think that like, there's probably something Fuck, else that's me <laughs> I'm like I think, and like he had problematic takes too and I think you know whenever you're assessing somebody you need to assess their whole legacy and and uh but he um punched up for the most part and took a ton of risks and just was fearless, which is, I think, one of the things I liked him. You know, like one of my favorite things about him is the, there are YouTube clips, there are two of them, they're just super cuts of him shitting on OJ for 11 minutes at a time and just went for it. 
right? And at a time where, where no one wanted to go there and he would go there. He did it with mm. Cosby. He did it with, with OJ. Um, you know, I thought that was... Well, was he was vindicated. I mean, He sure was. <laughs> it's easy to be brave as a white man. Ooh. Yeah. And yet, and yet a lot of them don't. Yeah. Right? I mean, which, you know, goes to show, but... Because they don't want to challenge their place in power, right? They don't want to risk it. And they don't want to, you know, they don't want to alienate their friends and so on. I see this all the time. Journalists coming to defense. Yeah, it's a great allegory for this election. Yeah, settling for for worse because they're your friends. It's a real big Ottawa energy. (laughs) Well, I don't want to shit talk this guy who's an utter piece of trash because, you know, I might see him at the mat. (laughs) I know, that is is big Ottawa energy. I just walk past him. It's a big place. Yeah, you just give them a head nod, maybe a little wave at best. No one says you have to talk to them. If I don't get punched out by a columnist by the time I'm done my career, I will have utterly failed, you know? Okay, but have you met the people that you have shit on? No, I've, I, no. Uh, well, that's not entirely true, but for the most part, I have. no. <laughs> and He's what, how do they do this all the you? time? <laughs> How does that go for you? Like, what's the experience like? Like, I don't know. I just, like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, okay. What's he going to say to me? <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 Like, I end up in spaces with him, is my point. Like, and yeah. I shit on him a lot. Yeah, and... I was in one recently with Brian Lilly. And oh. I have, you know, had a few run-ins with Brian Lilly. But for the most part, in those moments, I think, like, this isn't about me. This isn't about him. People are assembled here for another reason. I'm not bringing my nonsense into this space, right? Part of the thing of growing up is and, and emotionally developing is, like, knowing when not to bring your bullshit into a space. Yeah. Right? And I would hope that others would, would be like that, too. But I don't know. <laughs> no. I haven't been punched in a long time, you know, I, so I'm on a bit of a streak, so. One of the things I realized and I keep realizing, well, I realized it a long time ago, but it just keeps being like repeated is that like there's literally no representation for like BIPOC people in Canadian politics and Canadian media. And um, I think this election really showed what it is that we are missing. I mean, Fairy Creek, uh, climate, the rise in domestic violence and um, gender-based violence, like that should be part of the gun debate. Why is it not there? Um, you know, anti-Black racism, systemic racism, Islamophobia, uh, even when we approach talking about those subjects, you get like five white men telling us, or four jug meat saying, I don't know, telling us why we shouldn't even talk about racism from a Quebec lens like this is just maddening to me so because of that and we have a Canadian media complex that yes is very white but also really does placate that and so that's why you should subscribe to us because you guys know that we do really in-depth policy analysis and, and political analysis and pop culture analysis and we have dave who will come on every now and then whenever you want be careful what you wish for so i'm around we know (laughs) um no but like i had a twitter thread about this yesterday yesterday or so friday and basically like 
Eric and I have talked about, and with David, we've talked about how there's been no discussions about uh, systemic racism. And this is all like in the, like the year after Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, when, you know, media institutions, the public committed to centering voices of marginalized people. And yet here we are just fucking circle jerking the PBC. <laughs> it is one big circle jerk. Right? And, is, and mm-hmm. so like, they're not actually upholding the values that they think that they are. They prayed to the altar of diversity and inclusion only to have John Ibison write a very interesting piece this week. It wasn't. I wrote a rebuttal to it for anti-hate. It's great. And you should read it too. So um, basically, John Ibbotson basically presenting an argument that, that is just the flimsiest argument one could come up with, with why the PPC deserves representation in Parliament. And, you know, it's these kinds of things that just, you know, anger me. And I feel like if people aren't angry at this, I, I don't know. You must be white. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> you must be white and cisgendered and hetero if you think this is okay. <laughs> okay. And so the internet exploded, basically. Uh, Justin Ling wrote a thread that called that denounced the article, to be fair, denounced the way the media um, treats the PPC as though they're just like an irritant. Um, but that the media needs to change how they frame the PPC and their white supremacy. Only to turn around and call John Ibbotson a national treasure, which I will tell you, I had a lot of BIPOC people DM me and say, what the fuck to that? I mean, even when the right things are being said, like the wrong things are like, like, I don't get it. And so I do get it because whiteness, but I guess what I'm saying is this, we are entering the 2016 phase of our political journey. What is the 2016 phase? Trump gets elected, unleashes a whole lot of shit onto BIPOC people. Basically, we have to pay for it. Um, And women to a certain extent, not all women, but you know. I also think that to be, to be quite frank, um, you know, we've learned nothing from the US and that's what happens when we think we're better than them. We just turn them off. We don't seek to heed their lessons because literally the US does, every bad thing the US has done, I feel like Canada imports years later. It used to be like a 10 year spread And I see now it's like narrowing to a five-year spread or something. I don't know. So that's the way I see it. Anyway, I was veering off. So a couple days later or the next day, Globe and Mail um, staff threatened to walk off the job as reported in the Toronto Star, uh, which would have sucked for the Globe and Mail considering it was about four or five days before election day. And, you know, it's not good for a national newspaper to go down in that time, right? So um, management, so some of their demands had to do with 
diversity and inclusion and gender in the mailroom and um, equity issues around that. And um, these are the same things that the Globe and Mail promised that they were going to work on last year. So obviously they've made no progress. Obviously it seems to me like they've gone backwards. And this is like, considering how little faith I have in Canadian institutions, I feel like, oh, okay, this is playing out the way every black person in media that I talked to thought it would play out. Um, so management, they, management in the union came to an agreement and averted a strike. And that's where we are right now. I don't know. The, our media space is full of people who, who can't see what they can't see and, and don't listen to people telling them that there are things that they aren't seeing. And I, I know it because when I first started, I was very much one of them. And to some extent, without a doubt, I still am. But I think some of the work that, that needs to be done, everybody needs to do this, but especially if you're in the media space, in political space, is learn to, to be able to see what you don't see, right? The, the, you got to find those, to, to quote a former defense secretary now in hell, uh, you know, the unknown unknowns. Because just because they're unknown to you doesn't mean they're not unknown that they're they're not known to someone else, and so, and yet when people bring it up, Canadian media get their backs up, right? Well, we're trying, we mean well. There's only so much we can do, but then they always fail uh, because they are not willing to make the structural change, and they always go back to the same well because that's just the one they know. That's the one that has a path to it already. The bucket's already there. It's easy to drop and to draw, and. Uh, you know, it seems to, I don't know, from my perspective, it seems to have gotten marginally better, but I get the sense that it isn't structurally better. And I, I you know, I certainly hope that my colleagues in media see it and do better. I, I think some are, but I think the structures are still fundamentally patriarchal and white. Um, I don't know how you break that down other than, you know, <laughs> doing what Erica does, coming and be like, excuse me, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and calling it out publicly. Because I think part of the, the, of the work is shaming people publicly, like the, the institution saying, you promised better, you didn't deliver better. We want to see a plan. We want to see better outcomes. That, that's sort of my sense from the, other, from, the, uh, from the other side, from someone who's, who's implicated in this system, but um, at least you know, conscious of the problem and trying to put in the time and effort to be a part of the, of the solution. We also need a lot of columnists to retire. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No one should be a columnist for 30 years because your brain just starts to rot out your ears. Don't they should like retire and write their memoirs and go away. Yeah, you know how athletes not even got, write like, your 10 memoirs. Good years, 15 years. Don't even. go away. Yeah. 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 You know, athletes sort of like, oh, I'm 35 now. I better retire from this. I feel like columnists <laughs> should do that in their 40s. But like, well, I had 15, 20 years in here put in my time. I'm gonna go and I don't know what a what I, I don't know play euchre i don't really know what older whites do <laughs> mostly there's a joke play. there i just i i grew up in peterborough and so we played a lot of euchre yeah i was gonna say that it's mostly a uh, like a an upper canada thing i growing okay. up up in the west coast have no clue how to play euchre and i don't really care to learn sorry if that go to the beach i guess no listen <laughs> i like the beach it's more just like i don't like the scene of the beach in vancouver Oh, yes, I see. 
Yeah, okay. it's a lot of like, let me wear all of my makeup and then make sure I'm sitting on in the shade, but in the sun with all of my makeup and jewelry. Oh, it's the Instagramming of the beach. But it was before Instagram. It's always been like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh boy. <clears throat> anyway, um, let's fucking stop talking about John Ibbotson. What, we've got a couple days left in the election. So what do we think about the parties? Where are we at? I mean, I, obviously, obviously we're in minority government territory. Um, although some I, someone did say to me the other day that, oh, we're going to get end up with a minority government. And I said, probably, but we also thought that in 2015. And like, I don't think that we're going to get a majority. I do think we're going to get I didn't get think that in 2015. But, you know. Yeah, I, I, I did not think that in 2015. Yeah, me neither. It's and, those and pundits will, yeah. that need to retire who talked that in 2015. Well, the problem is we talk in, in it, we don't talk in probabilities. And whenever I get asked about this all the time and I try to speak in probabilities, I'm like, look, you look at the aggregator and the highest likely event is a liberal minority, right? That is by far the most likely event. There's a, I'm With looking at the numbers seats, for today. By the way. With fewer seats, probably, yeah. Uh, the high, the there's a 14% chance of a liberal majority and a 26% chance of a conservative major, uh, minority. That's as of se- uh, September 18th. So you know, look, there's a 1% chance of a conservative majority. Look at look at Nova Scotia, not that long ago, low percent chance of something and it happened. Look at Donald Trump, low percent chance of something and it happened. We think that low percent means it can't happen, <laughs> right? Uh, but it can happen. You know, roll the dice. Um, it's not zero. And you see, yeah, exactly. And so we, we could absolutely see a liberal majority. We could even in theory see a conservative majority. But again, highest probability is a liberal minority. I think we've just gone through an election where everybody's really tired and angry and anxious and scared and really frustrated we had to do this because it feels like we were promised something big, this big monumental turning point. And what we got was small ball for the most part uh, with some important stuff peppered in, no doubt but often hidden by the, the sort of nasty saber rattling and, and culture war politics and gotcha stuff. And it feels like kind of a small election, even though it should have felt like a big one. And I don't know, 10 years from now, will this election have had a huge impact on the country? I think maybe when it comes to childcare and marginally when it comes to climate, but beyond that, is anything, are any structures being upset and remade? Yeah, that's, that's the material point. I, I totally, um, you know, we were promised this big, bold vision, even in their succession <laughs> type um, HR video that passed for <laughs> like a platform video that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. It just seems to me that they they promised like even in that video they promised a bold plan and what i saw were a bunch of policies that really could have gotten done in the minority government they had and i think that that is still a sticking point in this election and when people are like oh well before we shouldn't even talk about before because we're in a unique context here with this pandemic and especially with Alberta, I feel like I thought Jody Wilson Raybould were the emails, but maybe it's Jason Kenny who's like mm-hmm. like Aaron O'Toole's emails. You know what I mean? Like I I feel like Jason Kenny really really hurt Aaron O'Toole. Mm-hmm. 
and it, but it had to be done. And so, um, but then Aaron O'Toole, his response, I'm like, bro, don't you have people for that? Yeah, it was bad. What happened to this great Canada proud people, like whatever his name is, Jim, whatever. I keep hearing about (laughs) who's so amazing and digital. And I, I just, I don't see that materialized. They, they too have come in with a roar and now they look impotent almost. Mm -hmm. They look like they're hobbling to the finish line. And um, I found that (laughs) deflation, (laughs) like the Patriots balls. (laughs) Anyway. (sighs) um... (laughs) Good thing I just finished that breakfast. Okay. Uh, I find that um, very interesting too. The NDP, I, 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 I'm never sure with them. I like. I think that they're they had they were surging. I think last week, and I think this week they've kind of stagnated. Yeah. But they're but they're still in reach of a big. They're they're going to. I think they're going to grow by by a lot by a dozen seats or more, and that that's going to be a good day. I'll throw this in real quick though. The real twist of it is they they might end up no better off in parliament <laughs> right it's just the nature of it you know you grow your your party by a dozen seats and you come back to parliament it's like oh it's, everything's just the same as it was before or if the liberals squeak out a majority it would actually be worse right the NDP would be better off with fewer seats in a minority than more the more seats in a majority right and, and that's the sort of curse of the third party so mm-hmm. you know good luck with all that I don't know. Yeah, but if the, the liberals get a minority and they reduce seats, then doesn't that put the NDP in a stronger position? It depends a lot on whether or not, you know, they ultimately are going to be the deciders, um, what the margins are. And, and you know, the raw seat count doesn't really matter. It's, it's the context. And so if the liberals have to rely on them exclusively or even primarily to get things done, then hugely that would be beneficial. But if they, if the liberals can shop around, probably mm. less so. Mm-hmm. Um, although that, not to say they won't be uh, effective. Just you know, so they, they become a victim of the numbers. I, what, what, do you, what's their plan? I, I have a like real talk <laughs> for a sec here. What, what is the long term strategy of the NDP? Is it to form government? Is it to be the conscious? Uh, conscience of the liberal party or the policy farm of the liberal party is it socialist revolution well we know it's not socialist revolution i I just for the because i've been thinking about this a lot and talking to people for the life of me i don't understand what it is that they are trying to accomplish long term strategically yeah isn't that what i started with (laughs) like i don't understand yeah no i was like yeah i don't i I don't I don't, i don't i don't understand I don't understand. I don't have a cohesive vision of of what Canada should be from them. So I well, hear in that case, like you could be the slow- leader of the party, <laughs> or the- or of any party for that matter. You know, you know, you know. Me and candidate don't mix, so there's no candidate, Erica, in That's the near future. No, That's what I they all say. N- stop it, both Reluctant. of you. No, no. The, the Cincinnatus reluctantly drawn back in to Rome to 
put down the plow and pick up the sword just temporarily as Washington did himself and then return to sort of bucolic rustication after the fact. Well, I think, anyway. I, I think it'd be good. You got my vote. Yeah, but do I have your money? Mm. I don't even have my money, so. Bitch <laughs> don't have my way. So, I don't know what to tell um, you. You can have some of it. So, I have a question. Like, you know mm. how following federal elections in the U.S., there's always some sort of, like, report that comes out internally to the party that's, like, here are the things that went wrong and blah, blah, blah. There's, like, quote-unquote deep analysis then. Does that happen in Canada in the same way? Or do we just not care? Are you talking about like that Republican autopsy? Yeah, the autopsies. Okay. Did they have one after this last election? Or the, oh no, they couldn't because they were still disputing the results of They're the election. Still <laughs> disputing the results. Um, but David, do you know if the parties do that or like the NDP does that? The parties definitely have debriefs. But the debrief is not an autopsy, I don't think. I don't know how how extensive they, I suspect it varies quite a bit. I know the conservatives went through a pretty serious one recently. Um, And this is what they came up with? Yeah, and they almost got away with it too. And then Aaron O'Toole took 47 different positions on half a dozen different (laughs) issues in the course of a week. And then Jason Kenney bludgeoned him Trotsky (laughs) style. And that was the- So Jason Kenney saved the country. Well, it was, you know, it was from Aaron O'Toole. <laughs> that sort of like is irony in a nutshell. I think like the, the, the conservative campaign turned real fast and look, I mean, it, yeah, it, still, it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean they can't form government. It doesn't mean they can't win. It doesn't mean they'll be decimated, but they had momentum and they were building. And then, you know, the liberals were able to hit them hard on, on abortion, hit them hard on healthcare, hit them hard mm-hmm. on the vaccination status yeah. of their candidates. Then yeah. Aaron O'Toole couldn't figure out what the fuck he believed w- when it came to guns. Then he yeah. couldn't figure out what the fuck he believed when it came to <laughs> uh, the carbon price, which maybe will stay after all, twist. And then Jason Kenny came and just <laughs> said, I'm going to put Hold you in my fear, bitch. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. And, and you know, and, and then all of a sudden it started to turn real fast. And yeah. I think it was probably because Canadians who didn't know him got to lo- got to know him was like, uh, I don't, I don't, this guy seems dodgy. I can't trust him. What does he believe? Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. going to go back to the liberals where I'm safe. They're basically the hidey hole. And we're back <laughs> yeah. to the hidey hole. And look, I, I look, I'm a nester. I just want to be by myself it's in my apartment true. on my couch with my laptop and my streaming and just, you know, coffee and feel See, good and comfortable problem, and safe. Though. That's but the this problem. is what the country does. The liberals think we're all prodigal liberal voters. Yeah. No, they That's expect they it. They, they're like, like we oh, you may them. stray for an election or two. Yeah. You know? It's like being Catholic. You're never not Catholic. You just <laughs> lapsed. You know, and no one in the country is ever not liberal. You're just sort of temporarily misguided. <laughs> until you're on the road to Damascus and all of a sudden the scales fall from your eyes and it's because you know Aaron O'Toole is scary thank you Pope Francis <laughs> right well but also that, they're, was, they're, that was a beautiful analogy though I got it but they're say. right in a sense in the sense that you know for a or lot a of us the, the, <laughs> the liberals are better than the conservatives but they're still bad <laughs> yeah exactly well are they like are they bad because they can't do anything? Like, I think the idea of a liberal party is probably not as bad as the practice of a liberal party. 
what's the idea of a liberal party? I mean, I think they're fundamentally a, a market, a centrist market party that that aims to prop up the social infrastructure of the of the remnants of the welfare state, uh, right? That were sort of gutted in the nineties. Uh, and I mean, oh, fine, but we're never really going to get to the structural issues with any of these parties. I don't think. I don't. Yeah. I don't see any big structural upheaval, and they don't want it. They think the system's better. I. I don't. They do. So I think it's a moot point because climate change is going to get us. But uh, you know, we can still do better and still you know do a lot of good for people. I mean. Uh, the upside of, of anything. The upside of climate change getting us, uh, as Erica, pointed, as Erica pointed out yesterday, is that we'll all be dead by the time Prince Philip's will becomes public. <laughs> yeah. Which is we, nice we learn he's year. basically fathered entire nations of people. <laughs> That's exactly There's like little it. duchies scattered throughout Europe that are what? just fathered by totally, You know why? Because they totally said out of respect for the queen yeah. okay yeah. protect so your like, dignity i i'm just like well, what is going on here <laughs> okay. well, as soon as you see that you're like okay but we all just lost a lot of respect for her if you've got to, like, I mean, as soon as you gotta say we're gonna get, yeah they could have gone with like 10 or 15 years there's no way she's living that much longer why 90 why why not 40 i feel the like, same way I, about copyright i i well i i will say listen Harry and Meghan are a little messy, so I'm sure something will come out. You think they know something and they're going to leak? Well, they, they, Isn't he writing a book? Yeah. Or as I like to call it, season seven of The Crown. <laughs> <sighs> Can't wait for that. I think all of this bad. Wait until we go through the next monarch and this country gets ready for the next monarch. You think this election stuff is bad? That's going to be just fucking awful. <laughs> You know, um, Prince Andrew was uh, is being sued, and I believe uh, by Virginia is it Geoffrey, who was the seventeen year old in that picture with him that he denied, mm-hmm. and so she's suing him for I I don't have it in front of me, um, but you know, like I believe sexual rape- assault harassment or something yeah yeah sexual assault of a minor or something like that and yeah so that's going on so yay look at this family (laughs) anyway no wonder this world is so screwed back to our own messy bitches a lot of you know we we touched at the top that systemic racism hasn't really been discussed in this election but also many other things that i think were planned to be topics, but then because of, you know, calling an election in a pandemic and nature just kind of taking its course, we ended up talking about guns, about abortion, about vaccine status, instead of actual childcare, actual affordable housing, actual systemic race and issues, disability issues, LGBTQ issues, Issues that real people experience and even climate change. Climate change has kind of been, it ebbs and flows. It's mostly been pretty flat. No, but... they talk about targets. Yeah, cool. That's all they talk about. That's all they talk. Well, Aaron O'Toole's target is he's going to get this target in the climate. 
It's no, 30%. that's Fuck not me. the conversation that we should be having. Right. That's not climate it. change. I want to know what kind of structural changes are you going to make to ensure that we actually do move to a green economy? Well, and this is why, listen, and I've said this to David. Where's the infrastructure? I've said this to David a few times, and I even pitched a piece on this and was told no, that I think they need to bring back the National Roundtable on the Economy and the Environment so that we can actually talk about what a green economy looks like. Because nobody has a clue. No one has a clue. Okay, cool. At the at the debate, we're like, oh, well, we need, you know, clean tech. Oh, okay. And what how, what is the actual impact on the economy? Is that actually going to create the jobs we need to, it, that we need in the places that we need the jobs? How's it going to change our structures? And you how know, are we going people, to deliver it? Are, those are we like, going to deliver it through the same infrastructure? Are we going to deliver it through new infrastructure? How do much we do we have the skills for those jobs? And if not, how are we going to reskill? Like none of this is being discussed. None of it. Anyway, what I kind of, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I want this more from even the National Observer, you know, because they've really taken climate change on as their lead topic that they write on. Mm-hmm. And it's not very intersectional or diverse at all. And I'm just like, did I miss like a whole year? Like, what? like did, did they miss a whole year? Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I do, but you know. Well, one, Canada is very, very bad at discussing environmental racism. Two, I hate to tell everyone this, but where do we discuss it though? No, nowhere. Mm-hmm. I hate to break it to everyone, but in the event of another Fort Mac fire, slightly worse it'll actually be worse now because the climate's changed since then or in the in that small space of time short space of time sorry and in the event of you know a catastrophic flood and 100 percent in the event of the eventual earthquake in vancouver those events could ruin the economy they will actually put us into a recession Mm -hmm. and we're not talking about it we're not even, people aren't even thinking about it. And we need to take this actually more seriously than we are. So also maybe get, also if you live in Ottawa, we're the second largest earthquake fault in the country. So maybe get an earthquake hit. Jesus um, Christ. What? Oh, yeah. what? Yes. In Ottawa is what? Ottawa, Montreal is the second largest spot line in the country. You know what? Just, just swallow me up. Just. Bring it on. Why am I even here? <laughs> no, just no. You're just like, um. <sighs> Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be the bearer of good news. <laughs> just killing me. I feel me. like <clears throat> this, this episode is definitely melancholy and the infinite sadness because I yeah. feel like it's just, we're all like, all three of us are feeling like <laughs> so rough. Well, this is what the end of election season looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like if you are, well, us. So I got to say, though, I was on um, CP24 last night and uh, they asked about the conservatives and Aaron O'Toole and Jason Kenney. And I'm like, you know what? He's just doubling down on dumb. Like he's. This is a man 
whose judgment is in question right now. And instead of him trying to put out the fire, he's just running from the blaze. I didn't put this analogy in, but or this metaphor in, calling it analogy, metaphor in, but it's like he's running from the blaze instead of getting water and putting out putting out the little fire. You know what I mean? This the man canceled events, you guys. He canceled events after this Jason Kenny news broke. Like his reaction does not say leadership to me. And then I'm glad I didn't vote conservative. So you weren't at risk of voting conservative much like Selena Cesar Siobhan did, or will be. So what do we think about that? I can, so can I defend her? Can I open with you a defense? Sure can. The way I read her comment was that she was voting for her local representative mm-hmm. uh, in whom she had a lot of trust and thought would be a good MP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that there's an argument for that. I could see why she wouldn't want to vote liberal. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. And I, I know the left, you know, likes to think that if someone's not voting liberal and, and they're voting conservative, then uh, they're they're inherently wrong. And I get that. But I also think if someone truly believes in the local candidate, that's entirely reasonable. Isn't that wouldn't what be my vote? But you know, supposed to do. Well, in theory, but I, yeah. in theory, isn't that what our parliamentary yes. democracy, how it's built? Yeah, it's that we can do this. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and I don't. So, does anyone know what her riding? I can't remember what her riding is. Whitby. Whitby. Is it a blue red race or? Hold on. I mean, the the other question is, is you know, like what's the what's the foot race here? Sure. I, I, I do. So David, I agree with you. That's how my interpretation of what she said. And I think a lot of people, my sense is that were really disappointed in her choice. And I got into a Twitter discussion debate with someone who was just like, go ahead. Discussion and quotations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who was just like, oh, well, if, if she was voting for her local person, then she shouldn't have shown up in like a blue dress. It was all planned. I'm like, well, yeah, she's, oh my telling, God. she's telling you that she's voting for a conservative. So like, it's not as though she didn't know. And like, well, she is voting for the person of color. Well, exactly. Right. That's so the other thing. Yeah. that's the other thing. So it's a blue red, by the way. I'm just looking at it now. It's, it's, it's not going to go NDP. It's not going to go green. It's either going to go conservative or liberal. So it's, it's one woman of color conservative Malia Shahid and the rest are three white guys so four white guys if you include the PPC yeah and if you you know had a history with the liberals and white men to like there's a Venn diagram there obviously so like the liberals and also white men then like yeah you would be less inclined to feel supported by them in the house also, like, can you imagine telling someone who was treated poorly by a party, oh, you you should be voting for that party? <laughs> like, well, no, in what world? Like, does well, she could have voted for the NDP. And I'm like, uh, I mean, sh- technically, yes. Technically, that is correct. But you also have to look at, again, if she's voting locally, who the representatives are and the likelihood that they're going to go into the House. Yeah, but people yeah, yeah. people think every black person is going to vote either NDP or liberal. Yeah, right. 
And that's the other thing too. We went over this like a few episodes ago. Let me just tell you, a liberal staffer who's a friend of mine messaged me and he was irate. And I was like, I don't know what to say. What, what am I supposed to say? What did you expect? Did you expect her to vote for you? Like, yeah. I don't understand. I, th- I honestly thought somebody said she was going to, I honestly thought that she shot somebody the way people were going on. Yeah. I was like, wow. Just because she said she was going to vote for her local kids. Okay. I think people, I, I just, yeah, I, mm. <laughs> let me just move on from that. Well, I mean, Erica, I think it goes to a conversation that we were having yesterday and we don't have to like name which candidate is which, but like you and I were like, like, oh, this person's a really good candidate, you know? And if you, and you're like, oh, I would actually consider voting for that person in that mm-hmm. way, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. even though like my, your political leanings may be more, maybe better aligned with a different party, you were like, oh, this candidate I think is the real deal. I've heard a lot of people in this election, more so than the last election, say that they're going to vote for their local candidate that they like and respect and trust. And Mm -hmm. I find that very interesting. And um, there's probably a nuance there. And it's, I think because people don't know which party they want to vote for, because they're not seeing what they need in any of the parties in their structure or their parties mm-hmm. that they're like, well, okay, I guess I'll just vote for my local candidate that I like. And that's really interesting. And also, can we like, just for a minute, accept that we are human beings that live in a world where some things are true and some things are not true and some things are likely and some things are not likely. Like, there were there i'm i am a socialist and what i would like to see is a socialist upheaval of the existing order uh is my single vote in my riding cast strategically or for some uh, representative i happen to like uh, a betrayal of that is it going to have any impact on the world whatsoever is it like or is it a recognition that sometimes we have immediate concerns and and goals and strategies, and sometimes we have long-term concerns and goals and strategies, and to privilege something immediately that runs up against your long-term interest isn't necessarily to betray a cause. It's just to weight something else differently in the short term. And like, can we just, can we set aside the doctrinaire identity bullshit for a second to accept that people are sort of complicated and have overlapping, you know, and sometimes um, commitments that are intention, right? Or do we have to just do this purity politics that is really just about bludgeoning people for making decisions that we don't want them to make? It just drives me absolutely bananas. So there there is- are conservatives I could conceivably vote for in this country. I hope they lose as I don't want them to form government, but I could imagine myself voting for a handful of conservative members of parliament I actually quite like. In the yeah. same way that I can imagine voting myself, voting against NDP candidates who I absolutely despise, right? Because I'm like, I don't want them anywhere near the hill. Right. And like, it bothers me that people can't keep those thoughts in their head at the same time. It just gets to me a little bit. Yeah. I think even Erica and I had to have a discussion, I think probably in an episode of this podcast where when Ronna Ambrose was the interim leader of the conservative party, we were were like, Oh, I'm unclear what my, what, 
would have happened come election day should she have been the actual leader of the party. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And what a different Which conservative is, like, also, party it would have been. Also, I think it's important to say, like, we don't necessarily think that Ronna Ambrose is like a feminist savior by any means. No. But. No. Are there a lot of them anywhere in federal politics? You know, but I'm always like, who are we actually comparing these people to? Right. And, you know, you said, well, how could you vote for that person? I'm like, I'm sorry. Have you seen the options? <laughs> if uh, I, you know, I would have, I, I so I voted um, in this election and I voted NDP and uh, we didn't really have an NDP candidate until fairly late in the game. I know a little bit about her from researching, but not a ton. I voted basically to send a message that I, I don't want the liberals to win. I, I would prefer the new Democrats to do better. But if a, the Communist Party had been running a candidate in my riding and that candidate was good, I would have seriously considered voting communist. Uh, their platform was a bit mixed, mixed bag, but it had some structural change ideas I thought were quite good. But you know that wasn't an option because it didn't have a communist candidate in Ottawa Vanier. But you know we have to be able to respect that people are having you know, bring different thought processes to casting a ballot. It's not their fault that doesn't produce the best outcomes. It's what our system produces. You know this is more as, of, of putting the options. onus on individuals. I, yeah. I think it's what the system produces as options. The yeah. options are they're not options. They're not randomly selected you know, they are managed. And so hugely, of, of course, we are going to end up with shitty choices because we have managed options. And I, I also think it's hard. You know, we have 338 seats in the House. Yeah. We have 338 good candidates for every party is fucking impossible. Can mm-hmm. we get 10 per party, though? What's the problem? I, I, yeah. Like, we don't even have that. Well, yeah. I can't think of 10 good liberals, and the conservatives are even worse. Yep. There's a handful I, I like. I can think of three. Um, yeah. And out of courtesy to them, I'm not going to say who, but. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it in the group chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's group chat. Uh, they don't. <laughs> They don't need my endorsement and they don't want it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I can also think of a couple of NDP MPs that I, uh, or candidates that I very much hope don't win for, for different reasons. Um, and then a handful I really hope do, you know, I mean, you know, people like Matthew Green or Leah Gazan, um, Alejandra Bravo, Davenport, who would be like, absolutely fantastic. I mean, Leah and Matt, Matthew were already there, but to add Alejandra to that, I mean, that'd be fantastic. I've heard good things. She's I've heard great. really good things. And she could win. And, hope, and so, yeah. Does, because I've, I've actually heard very good things about her. And I actually. And it matters that. having those people. Like yeah. when Helen Laverdiere was, was there, um, uh, she was holding the government's feet to the fire Spadina? on Saudi Arabia. Is this Spadina? Davenport? Davenport? Davenport. Okay. Yeah. But individual MPs can make a difference. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it, but they can. Like again, Helene Laverdiere was the person on the file for Saudi Arabia uh, pushing back against the government, holding them to account in a way that a lot of people weren't. I mean, it, it matters a great deal. Erica, do you want to, do you want to get off your chest um, all of the things that feelings you have about things that weren't discussed during the course of this election? Where were the police? Is it me or is Fairy Creek blockade not going on? 
That's where they were. They're in Fairy Creek cracking skulls. <laughs> there you go. There yeah. is no mention of the police after a year after the Mi'kmaq fishermen or fisheries, sorry, um, and and commercial fisheries. So you had what's it called Caledonia in Ontario. You mm-hmm. had, of course, Wet'suwet'en, um, and I think that's mostly the big ones. And there was something in Alberta too, I can't remember. But the point is, is that it's been a year and a half of Indigenous resistance and the police methods to thwarting that resistance, including arresting journalists, including, you know, violence and um, all sorts of things to protect resource extraction. We have not talked about any of that this election not a peep about the police and about indigenous resistance, not a peep. And I, sometimes I look, I, sometimes I like turn my head, like look around and I'm like, am I, I feel, I feel like I'm talking into the abyss because how can you be so silent about something that's just so fucking obvious? Ah, my first swear of this episode. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's it's also a lack of understanding of what reconciliation is, right? Do you we know? even know what it is? No, but we think that, or we pretend that reconciliation is just a land acknowledgement and making sure that Indigenous communities are consulted on the different things that the government wants to do. And therefore, once we've done our due diligence, we can just do whatever we want because we've, we've asked them, we've asked permission. They've told us the things that they will let us do. And then we do them. Okay, well, that's still colonization. Yeah, it's that managed options we just talked about, right? And that the structure is set up so that the options are you either go with us or you starve, which is... <laughs> I, I hear rings of history in that, <laughs> actually, because that's been Canada's policy since basically contact, right? So I think there's just a lot to unpack and it's something that like I want to continue doing and I think we are committed to doing. And so those things are what we need to talk about in an election. The, the conservative plan for reconciliation is basically we'll give you a cut of the resource projects as long as you like co-sign them. And that's an impossible situation to put communities that are so vulnerable in, in right? Those are your two options, starve or destroy your land. What is that? That's, it's disgusting to me. But anyway... I will just put that out there. That's one of the issues. And the police, the police. I don't, I, it's, it's beyond me why we're not talking about the police when mm-hmm. they're literally, you're right, cracking skulls in, in mm-hmm. D.C. And interfering with press freedom too. I mean, they, they don't want us to know. And of course, whatever surveillance mechanism they're using too. Mm-hmm. That's probably violating some charter rights. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of important, fundamental kind of structure of this whole country. 
It's like fundamental to mm-hmm. say. And, you know, there's just been a lack of, you know, Erica, you touched on this at the beginning, a lack of conversation about domestic violence um, and gender-based violence, particularly following several candidates who have had to withdraw their candidacy or quote unquote, pause their campaigns because of allegations of harassment and assault. And on top of that, we've got that whole situation that happened in at Frosh Week at Western. And mm-hmm. no one's talking about any of that. Honestly, it is just the most violent, douchiest university in the entire country. Oh, yeah. It's where all the frat bros go, right? Like in business douches. Yeah. It attracts a, a particularly high, you know, number of odious people. So for those of you who don't know, um, Rosh Week at Western, um, there were several students or allegations emerged on social media that several students in Western's Medway Sindenham Hall residence were drugged and with some of those additional people sexually assaulted in the final days of orientation week. Um, London police launched an investigation into the reports but so far they've received no information. Separately, police received four sexual assault complaints involving Western students that were not connected to the residents, which resulted in one arrest and no charges, although investigations are ongoing. You see what I say about the police? They don't solve nothing, okay? Yeah, Um, I saw stats today, something like, what was it, 4% or 2% of major crimes got solved by the LAPD, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, why? And they never solve hate crimes. Meanwhile, we've got a whole like forums of like citizen investing, citizen like investigators trying to solve cold case murders. Yeah. (laughs) And they're more likely to do it than the cops are. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, why are we funding such inefficiency then? (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's easy I know to maintain why, yeah. the state. Yes, I mean, this yes, is a yes, fundamentally yes. about keeping us in order, yeah. not preventing people from stealing our shit or, you know, assaulting us on the street. It's just, <clears throat> yeah, yeah and, it's and disciplining. Of course, of course, the president of Western announced stepped up security patrols, more campus policing and mandatory training for all students and residents on sexual violence and consent. So again, the solution to problems is more police even though i'm sorry were they not doing this training in the first place (laughs) at the the country's frattiest university look like university administrators are the worst human beings on the face of the earth they have no compassion no empathy they ask covers they're ass covers to the max it listen uh, like a whole half the university could get bombed and they'd be like we just have a we just have a fire you know what I mean it's just a little grease fire you know like though that's what university administrators are there safe for. to go to classes yeah exactly donate <laughs> alumni check your email yeah so if donors start pulling money you better believe they're gonna they're gonna respond yeah if donors start pulling cash then it's going to be they've discovered that there's a problem. Well, yeah, and it looks you know, It's like the U of O that. being racist. The University of Ottawa has a real racism problem. And it's bilingual. And it took them a long time to, oh my oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I mean. 
Let's open up the old mailbag. Is it, I don't hear any any ideas to the contrary there. Yo, I just want to make the point that it was not me. Like, like I bet you, I bet you, y'all are surprised I didn't say that. It wasn't me. Okay. I know. I was shocked. See? <laughs> See? See, this is why I'm Norm MacDonald. <laughs> No, McDonald's. slices and dices, eh? That's what you no, all need to do. She does slice and Aaron. dice. She does. She slices and dices. Norm McDonald once said he was, you know, searching for the platonic. Aaron and I were talking before we started recording about how I had created the perfect slice of bacon, like the platonic ideal of the slice of bacon I had cooked up. And I was really proud of that. And Norm MacDonald once said he was after the platonic idea of a joke, the perfect joke. And he said the closest he ever came was the following. Julia Roberts says that she has been, her marriage to Lyle Lovett has been over for some time now. She said she realized the marriage was over when she realized that she was Julia Roberts and he was Lyle Lovett. I think I've heard that one. I just, I just think it's the funniest thing. <laughs> I think I heard that one. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It kills me every time. Kills me every time. Yeah. But exactly. it's platonic but, ideals all around. <laughs> um, I think she was big go- day for Plato. She was going through some things. Yeah, yeah. Lyle Lovett. I find Lyle Lovett wildly charming. So I, I don't know, but anyway. Hey, that she's still Julia Roberts. Yeah, no. but but you know what? Charm does count for a lot. I'm counting on it. Well. <laughs> There's so many ways I could go with that, but I won't. Yeah. I, know, I, was like, I appreciate. I'm not. I appreciate going your restraint. To, I am not going to fall into that trap. I feel like it's appreciate a trap. It's not a trap at all. <laughs> when has it become just par for the course that we have an ex-U.S. president, an ex-U.S. senator, an ex-presidential candidate, and a sitting U.S. senator? telling us who we should vote for in our election that's not rhetorical i i just are we surprised that who they the where the lines were drawn no no i just think it's highly inappropriate i mean doesn't Trudeau do it all the time does he he does not he congratulates them when he win when they win does he does he not say like oh wishing my friend emmanuel macron I don't know. Good luck. No. I have no idea. I don't know. No. I don't don't really remember. No. I think strategically it's a weird decision because if the other side wins, you got to work with them. That's why, you know, premiers should shut their mouths too, right? So like, you know, it's just a bad idea. Oh, it also probably. (laughs) Yeah, well, it did not work for Legault. Not the way he thought or the conservatives for that matter. And so and the other side is, does anybody care? Is there a single voter who was like, oh, I wasn't sure if I was going to vote liberal until the woman uh, that blew the 2016 you know election. That's not my point. That is not. No, no, point. I know. I know. I'm just saying is I don't think it even, I don't even think it works or like Barack Obama. Uh, okay. What is, if it were Trump? What if it were Trump? What if it were Trump? And he's like, you know, Canadians, you should go to the polls and elect my buddy Max. That would get way more headlines. 100% it would. Okay. And people would be outraged. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying there's a principle. 
But if you're say, if you're suggesting that partisans apply inconsistent standards for themselves versus others, no, I gotta say, I, no, no, I agree. No, I, no. <laughs> no, I don't disagree. I'm saying, I'm saying that somebody should say it instead of us being like, oh, well, that's just the way it works. I'm just like, this is inappropriate. Well, you could see NDP supporters apply that inconsistent logic on the same day because it was like, oh, how dare the Americans come in? Yeah, and tell us, like, exactly. oh, Bernie. <laughs> Oh, it's like, never mind we're good <laughs> i spoke too soon <laughs> hadn't oh hadn't God. scrolled all the way down <laughs> yeah i th- i think you can't really prevent it from happening but i also think that uh, people should just shut the fuck up and stay yeah. out of it thank you um, you know, because that's also it's like not a good heuristic in the sense of if you if it takes Barack Obama or Bernie Sanders to convince you to vote for a party in Canada, the parties in Canada have utterly failed you. <laughs> right. It's just like I wasn't really sure which party has the best policy. And then an American came and told me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's Canada in a nutshell. <laughs> None of these people can name a single a single thing that's in like, any of those that's platforms. Like Canada's foreign policy in a nutshell. Yeah. It's just parochial and provincial and it makes us look like big yeah. stupid babies and I don't I don't particularly care for it. And I also don't think it's like a socialist international thing from Bernie and the left. It's like, <laughs> no, first of all, maybe if you were as ambitious this as is Sanders part of our was, This is like part of like, our international socialist revolution. It's yeah, like, no this time. is not the common turn, folks. Sorry. <laughs> this is not the common turn you're looking for. It's Which like, itself was a total fucking mess, see, by the way. Quick aside, people, but it's this is it's people under thirty come up with these ideas. I'm just saying, <sighs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I still, you know, but here's the thing: like, I, I, everyone's doing whatever they can to get votes. This is the same sort of jug meat on the long board and on TikTok, and my and I'm playing video games. And my position is like, look, if you can get the votes, get the votes. Test your hypothesis. That's the hypothesis. See if this stuff works. Collect the data. This is what the game. These are the games we play. But I'm not convinced it's really transforming anything. And ultimately, my thing, my question is like, does this have an effect on the world? And is that effect materially transformative and structurally transformative? Yes or no? That's what I want to know. No, but I don't it's care personally people, you know. transformative, probably. Sure. It's more. But like, what's it's the more about the personal. Like, I feel like it's more about his personal brand than the NDP. And that has yeah, always so been my complaint mm-hmm. with his social media. And for people on Twitter, when I'm like, what the fuck is this? When I say that, when he's playing video games, it's not the fact that he's using video games or Twitch or whatever. Yes, get your message out. But I don't yeah. hear the message. Yeah, collect right? data, blah, blah, blah. Right? Well, I, collect yeah. data. But I want to know what it's the changing. Message out. And I, I see Jagmeet. I don't see the NDP in those videos. And yeah. that's my material point. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, if you could change the structure of, of the ownership of the means of production by playing fucking Galaga, go play Galaga. You know, I don't care. It, it makes no difference to me mm-hmm. if you can. But but I don't I don't see that translating. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of the NDP stuff is they're pushing. One of the things I noticed this election, they're pushing very hard to collect data from people to to get out the vote i mean a lot of this like text me at blah 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 this is get out the vote stuff and later will be donor stuff and and it probably is donor stuff now too that's great because you've got to build the party structure but like it had better pay off with something big because otherwise it's just aggrandizement and yeah and, and it goes back to what we opened with 
what's the long-term strategy here? Right. Well, the NDP, the NDP have always been all tactics and no strategy though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. for those of you out there, those two are different things. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. So they their their platform and their media like sounds like like university campus slogans. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Tax the rich. Okay. How? What mechanism? Are we going to change the tax code? Well, this is what we talked about yesterday, Erica. Yeah, we talked about this off mic, Aaron and I, about changing the tax code. Uh, There may even be a machinery of government change necessary. Because if we want to bring in more monies and like close the loophole, it's always like, oh, we're going to make people pay their fair share. Okay, well, yeah, people can pay their fair share all they want, but if you still have the same policies and quote-unquote loopholes that allow them to um, reduce their tax burden in various ways, then you're not actually doing anything. The material change comes in changing the tax policy. So you actually have to close the loopholes and that's not a CRA issue because we keep giving money to the CRA for this enforcement. It's that's a finance Canada issue. issue. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm sorry, like this is the small ball thing I'm talking about. Should we tax, what is it, 1% on people earning 10 million or more? Was that the, I think that was the something like that. I'm sorry, but like the question isn't, should we tax billionaires? Like, yes, we should tax billionaires for being billionaires. Uh, and millionaires for being millionaires. Should they exist? Should billionaires exist? Mm-hmm. Tax them out of existence. Instead, we're talking about a 1% tax on 10 million plus, which is going to raise some revenue, not enough revenue to fund everything, not enough revenue to transform the country. But this isn't about raising revenue. It ought not to be. It should be about power, not revenue, power. We don't want billionaires, not because they have money, because they distort power relations in the market and contribute to oppressing workers get rid of them then if that's the problem and if it's just about raising money then there's way more efficient ways to raise the money (laughs) um i'm all for a wealth tax don't get me wrong but like let's be honest about what we're doing here and it's small ball stuff even though the money would be welcome i i just you know i find it infuriating also yes crack down on tax avoidance because that would raise money we could use too but this goes back to my fundamental point that i keep coming back to it doesn't change the structure we're going to still see the same problems we're going to still see the same problems i just and they're going to call you class warriors and if they're going to call you class warriors and threaten to leave the country for taking one percent of their wealth you might as well threaten to take it all god these people just so anyway i give it a b minus what the NDP platform or the NDP? <laughs> that was my NDP joke. I actually think their platform has been much more impressive and their campaign a lot better than it was previously. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it sounds like I have no love for them and that's not true. I, I do. I just, it's deeply suspect and mitigated and contingent. I just, so. Like I all just, true love. I mean, people are complicated and you're allowed to have complicated relationships to part to political parties, political institutions, celebrities and whatever, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's why stand. I don't understand stand culture, and that's why I don't understand this like, re- this pe- people being upset with Selena deciding to vote conservative. Like, people are complex. We're allowed to hold like 
contain multitudes. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. people, like this purity thing is fucking bullshit. And also like, I, this is probably a, a question for a different episode, but I'd love to hear what you two think about this someday in the future, how we blend identity concerns and considerations with class politics going forward in this country because we don't seem to be doing it. Ooh. And I'm, I'm curious how, what that looks like. Like, yeah. I don't believe those who say like identity politics is useless and who cares. And we need to, we need to ignore identity and like, no, clear, plainly that's not true. <laughs> Only white people also, say that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I know that's a handful of white people who, who make this argument, but they make it from the perspective that they want full on class politics first and foremost. And well, I want to see what the balance is. Okay. Can I just say my problem with this is that this is my problem. And, and, you know, the NDP is full of these types of people, these privileged white people, because, yeah. you know, they're all, they're all champagne socialists or, yeah. you know, Brie and Chablis socialists or whatever. Um, and, and so I'm not saying all NDP voters are that, or all of the NDP is like that. Cause I've actually, been to like one of their conventions, not their full convention, but a Broadbent convention. Oh, yeah. And um, like there were, I met some really good people there, just good people. And I thought that was really cool. But the NDP is kind of run by these white guys who are like privileged and then, and white women who are privileged. And then it's like they descend from their horse, their high horse to you to tell you why they're the best option for you. Mm -hmm. And if you push back, then they treat you like you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. That's my problem with progressives. They're white, they're privileged, ignorant, and just so aggressive with that ignorance, aggressive ignorance. So when you talk, so when they talk about class, and I remember this during Bernie, their whole, they have this trickle down idea of class pol politics and identity politics. Oh, well, if we take care of the economics, we'll everything else will just, will just get fixed. And I'm like, how is that different from trickle down economics that you hate so much? Mm -hmm. You're basically patting me on the head and telling me to go, go away, little girl. The men over here will take care of it. You'll get yours. We'll make mm -hmm. sure you get yours. Mm -hmm. And that's my problem with progressive spaces in this country. Yeah, that's what that's that's the conversation I want to I want to see on the left because obviously material concerns need to be forefronted way more than they are now. Big structural material concerns, the, the classic who gets what, uh, when and how. But like obviously that's also conditioned by identity. That's just it's demonstrably true. We can see rates of incarceration, rates of violence, rates of poverty. Like, oh, there's something different here. Like, okay, so we got to wrap our head around how we how we fold all that together on the left. And I don't see that conversation happening. Probably because they're all like Erica says, they're all white <laughs> in the central office, right? I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And and they want to use this good people shtick with you that I hate too. Like they're progressive so they're good people i'm sorry how i i mean i'm just saying that even progressive spaces have their own cult of first their own cult not necessarily personality but their own cult their own ideas of who they are that are 
not true. And they're actually, they could be oppressive. I think progressive spaces are in a lot of ways worse than a lot of others for that. I see the sort of cult thing way more prevalent on the left than on the right. I don't the see right that same sort of thing. The right are just happy you showed up. <laughs> I, just, I don't see it. I don't see it with they, a tool They the literally are. They're like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe she doesn't think she, maybe, who maybe we're, she doesn't think we're a racist. Like, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's because there's a purity test on the on the left, right? Like yeah. you have to be 100% pure. You can't, there's no room for mistakes. Yeah. Um, whereas on the right, they're like, oh, you're a conservative? Growth. Okay. There's no room for growth either, by no. the way. No. Once you make a mistake, you're canceled. You know? Which is... There's a, it's like calling out again, not calling in. Yeah. This is why we're screwed. That's one of the many reasons why we're screwed. Yeah. Seriously. Okay, do we not then have a left party? What do you mean by left? I don't, I'm not trying to be pedantic or, or difficult. I, I mean, like, are, we don't have really? any socialist party. We, well, no, in the sense that we, like, if okay, you Okay, do mean, we have a progressive party in this country? Yeah, I mean, I would say the NDP are progressive. They're social Democrats, are they? but I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say so. But we, we, we do, but they're liberal. They're small L liberal, and I think that's the distinction. Like for me, this is an old thing that you find in in, in political commentary, philosophies, and so on and so forth. There are two systems. There are two systems. There's capitalism and socialism. You're either a capitalist or a socialist. There is no in between. And people try to do a hybrid thing, but you can't. It's either the 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 means of production and, and economic resources are owned collectively or they're owned privately, predominantly. And we are liberal and all our parties, except for the communist party are liberal. And we have one socialist party and it's the communist party. And so the, and the NDP is scared of socialism. That wasn't true under the CCF and the early NDP. They're expressly socialist. They talked about command economies and central plan economies. Mm-hmm. They don't now. They're liberal. And this goes back to, again, like what's the long-term plan here? And because they're liberals, small L. Well, that's they don't like being called asking, that, but that's what they are. Yeah, well, that well, that's why you were asking, um, like, what are they? Are they yeah. uh, like a factory, like a policy farm for the liberals? Yeah. Are they um, the like <laughs> the buttress of the liberal government? Are they like what are or what did you call them? Liberal light or something? Yeah, liberal liberal light, or, or the yeah. you know the conscience of the liberal party, or yeah, yeah, the yeah, policy yeah. farm, or whatever. Yeah. Like, are they just at this point, just an offshoot of the liberal party? And if they really want to distinguish themselves, they'll adopt some bold structural policies. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, even look at the childcare plan, the liberal childcare plan is the old NDP childcare plan Mm -hmm. from the Mulcare years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good, fine. It's a fine enough program. It'll help a lot of people. It's not, you know, it's not state run. It's still private, federally uh, subsidized fine but you know it's not it's not I hope, uh, it's, it's I hope fundamentally it's not, liberal still yeah and i hope it doesn't go like their affordable housing policy but, but, same same but it's like you know it's interesting is, is i think this is an extraordinarily important distinction if i could say to some person who wants to understand canadian politics this is the fundamental thing you need to understand and it's true about the u.s and the uk and so on Things that people call socialist and that, that are actually social democratic are fundamentally capitalist and liberal. 
you know, the child care program, the child benefit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, healthcare, just uh, to, to, to some extent, although that's a bit trickier, but it's, they're fundamentally programs that liberals introduce to backstop liberalism, which would corrode beyond um, viability if they didn't exist. So they're not socialist, they're fundamentally liberal, fundamentally capitalist, because that's what you got to do to keep the system hobbling along, <laughs> right? And so we need to move off that terrain um, and, and uh, people don't seem to, to understand that, including new Democrats. That's well, my little rant. I, I, I find it interesting that you're ranting more than me this episode. <laughs> I, I seem to have <laughs> calmed down from Twitter. <laughs> in a week. It's been a bit of a week over here. <laughs> it's been a bit of, yo, I'm with you. It's been a bit yeah. of a week for all of us. Well, I know that we're ending on that lovely high note. You know, I always want to leave on a, on a positive note with you two. Yeah, I just want to say that we've done a lot of content this week and over this election. Please take time to visit it. We also have done, we've also written a child care explainer. So it goes through the child care policies of each of the major parties. And we even go through the economics of those policies. So check it out. It's in Chatelaine. Have a good election day, you guys. Uh, be safe out there in the wild. Bring, bring, a, bring some water, maybe. And possibly a chair. I'm so I've sorry. already voted. But I'll tell you. For so those who are, I. <laughs> I think everyone here. <laughs> but, uh, also, as it, no, I was really excited to to pick a, someone else who was never going to win. But I also thank you very much for having me over the last several weeks. It's been really nice to to be on and to mix it up and to learn stuff and I mean, it's, crack wise. All right. So you can find our newsletter subscription info on Substack. Uh, we are trying to move it to our badandbitchy.com domain, but it's, you know, proving to be a challenge as always, because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Badbitchypodcast.substack.com. That is the domain right now. And that's where you can sign up to become one of our subscribers. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Sorry, I was washing my hands. <laughs> and you say your bye. Why are you so bad at this? I was just putting away the dishes and washing my hands when you surprised me with goodbye. So this is, but this is true friends never say goodbye. <laughs> do, you, do you want to record your goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> oh my God. I finished washing my hands now.